All right, you guys are all here for the future of maintenance in an automated world. Real quick, by show of hands, who's in the maintenance part of your business? A few of you? All right, well, this session is definitely for you. I also heard somewhere I was looking up that in the first seven seconds, you guys have already judged me as a speaker. So, just so you know. And I'm also judging you, so don't think you get off too easy, all right? All right, that's me and my wife. We currently live in New Jersey. Work for a great company called OPEX. And even though I live in New Jersey, I am a Browns fan. A little piece of data about me, sorry, yeah. Rough times, rough decades, actually. It's been rough times. So here's the point of what we're gonna to cover today. The difference between service needed for conventional versus automated solutions. Number two, we'll look at what to build, uh, or how to build a successful maintenance team. And number three, learn how we can best budget and plan for yearly maintenance and how it can directly impact the overall success of our company. All right, a few background pieces of information. According to the latest logistics IQ, global warehouse automation market will grow more than two times from 2018 to 2025 reaching $27 billion. In order to allow for that kind of automation is gonna be quite expensive. Order fulfillment in e-commerce is the biggest factor driving the adoption of warehouse technologies. And high warehouse rents, shortage of skilled warehouse staff, and increasing minimum wage. We're actually gonna get into the bottom point there. This is uh, hitting us pretty hard. I don't know guys. So what do I mean by conventional versus automated? Is this phone kind of cutting out a little bit on us? Is that okay? So conventional. You okay? Uh, conventional. We're talking about conveyors. We're talking about forklifts. Uh, that's what we would talk about when we talk about conventional warehouse. Racking. Automated, we're going to talk about what we got here. And this is us, OPEX. iBots. Cutting edge stuff. When you walk around the show floor today, tomorrow, see a lot of high-end automated machines. And there is a difference to maintain these. So conventional systems, fairly standard. Technicians' abilities can carry over on a range of equipment. Intelligrated conveyor versus conveyor guy. Um, those are fairly standard. Parts are readily available. Parts that are readily available are also pretty standard. A lot of stuff you can go down to Granger or one of your other parts places and pick up parts for this stuff, almost to the point of ubiquitous. And these automated systems, systems are highly customized, highly engineered, using very specific custom pieces. I'm not going to find these parts at Home Depot. 
the technology, uh, technology knowledge needed to fix this equipment it's very very specific lots of training and again spare parts may not be readily available questions on the difference between conventional and automated All right, the future of maintenance. Maintenance repair and operations activities in a fulfillment center can span everything from the general facility maintenance like lights, HVAC, all that kind of stuff. Also get into conveyors, sortation, and now we're branching into ASRS and other systems. It's not just the actual maintenance activities, it can also be in spare parts. Too few, too many, Zolsko could be very challenging. Thank you. Not to mention costly. You guys have a good way of dealing with spare parts today, you guys who do maintenance. Is this a challenge? Keeping the right inventory, not too much, not too little, having everything right when you need it, but not having sit on shelves for months or years, collecting dust, possibly even breaking before you use it the first time, or going obsolete before you ever get a chance to use it the first time. So spare parts, very, very challenging. So we had a, a chance to look at a study, and here's some of the questions that this study contemplated. Just how automated are most operations? What types of processes are companies looking at to automate next? And how do organizations plan to maintain their automated system? So we'll jump into that. So Peerless Research Group did this study in 2019. I'll kind of walk through this here. Fully automated, a little sliver there, 3%. It's not, not most places. Five percent to nearly fully automated, only 5%. 50 to 75, represented uh, 15%. So in this little portion of the pie is everybody who's more than 50% automated. The rest of the quarters of this graph represents people who are 50. Almost half of all of the departments out there, companies out there, mostly manual. Is that going to change? You bet it's gonna change. Fulfillment demands of the e-commerce boom are making warehouse labor Anybody have a hard time hiring people? Hiring good people? Yeah. Overall unemployment, August 3.7% is probably lower now. Last I think I saw was 3.5 or 3.4. 
This is all pushing these organizations who are at the, on this side of the graph, it's gonna push these organizations to go more and more automated, okay? So if we're already maintenancing some high tech or if we're about to maintenance some advanced technology, how do we do that? Again, Peerless here, we asked them, uh, or they, they contemplated this question here, most significant issues or problems related to MRO? The very first one, inventory tracking, parts, and or solutions we already had in stock. Labor productivity was number two, and closely number three, hiring and retaining capable technicians. I wonder if they did this study again, would number three be now number one in today's labor market? Downtime due to lack of parts, slow service from maintenance staff. Understanding parts and consumable usage patterns. couple other ones there at the bottom, but I want to talk about this one for a second here. Let me know if this sounds like you. Inventory tracking. I ordered this part. I can't find it. Where is it? It's in my warehouse somewhere. Where is that part? Looked over here, looked over there. I can't find it. I order another one and I expedite it because I needed it yesterday. So now I paid double the price for that part. And then next week, you'll find the part. Somebody put it in the wrong spot, right? Just wasting our money on bad inventory and bad tracking of that inventory. All right, so at OPEX, we look at uh, technician staff in two general categories. I'm gonna start with the second one, competency. What is that? That's our skill the mechanical, electrical, software skill. Those are the skills that maybe guys went to school for. Went to a trade school, got their bachelor's degree. This is the skills that they possess. And this new coming, highly automated, what you see out here world, we're gonna go from traditionally mechanical, and we're gonna definitely get into more electrical, and we're gonna start getting into software. And these technicians who only had to use wrenches before to fix something are now gonna be plugging in a computer and looking at diagnostic screens. It's a whole different level of technician. So we need to be prepared as the, either the maintenance provider or as the uh, maintenance managers of these facilities to deal with a changing workforce, changing skill set required in the workforce. You guys are already seeing this? Is this true? Again, this is by Peerless. Another question that they considered factors considered important when evaluating the service of maintenance companies. Number one on their list. Technician competency, extremely to very important. fact that the technicians do their preventative maintenance. 
I don't know what you guys find about this, but if you evaluate a service company based on whether or not they do their PMs, but yet when they ask, hey, can I do my PMs? The customer says, no, we don't have time. But yet they realize it is very important. I don't know if you guys see that in your, in your world. SLAs, big one. If you said you'd be here in 30 minutes, are you here in 30 minutes? If you said you'd be here in two hours, are you here in two hours? If you told me I had so much uptime, am I going to have so much uptime? All right. We'll keep going. So how prepared are you? And this is the companies evaluating themselves, extent to which their own technicians are prepared to maintain highly automated system. About a third said they were very prepared. 17% said not very or not at all. There's a lot of work to do here. A lot of work. It's great that these amazing companies out here produce and provide some pretty amazing technology, but if we can't keep it running, what good is that technology? All right, so we talked about the second one, competency. And for us at OPEX, we put one more higher and above competency. And that's the character. The character of our technicians, the character of the people that we employ. This is a big deal to us. This person have honesty, integrity. How are they at their communication skills? How's their work ethic? How are they working when no one's watching? Spread out. How do they work when no one's watching them? There's many other things that we consider character, compassion, the care level that they actually exhibit. They care about their customer. These are big ones to us. I hope they are to you guys too. This will go a long way and cycling through technician after technician after technician. If you get guys, men and women, with high character, they'll stick around, they'll care enough to do a good job, they'll care enough to get good at their job. If they're lacking some talent, they'll go get it because they care. This is a big one. All right. It's another question that Peerless asked, importance of the service contract when evaluating material handling systems. So as you walk around the show here and you look at this real impressive system, you guys ask about their maintenance? Do you provide maintenance? Do I gotta do it? Do you got a guy who'll come and help me out? Are you asking those kind of questions when you're looking at a very fancy piece of equipment? So here's what other customers said, two thirds believe that a service contract is highly important. That's an interesting one. 4% said not very important. They got some lone wolves out there. Some guys that think they can do it all by themselves. I guess. All right, so kind of wrap up. 
How do you guys prepare for the future? Budget. Make sure you're looking at your maintenance, your contracts, your suppliers, the agreements that you have. Whether you're doing the maintenance, whether you bring in an outside company to do the maintenance. How's their competency? How much are they investing in training? How's their character? Guys, truthful, honest, they operate with integrity. Do they care? Are they passionate about what they do? So that's a set of slides I had for you guys today. But I also want to take a few minutes, ask questions. What kind of maintenance issues or things do you guys struggle with? What's real? What's to you guys, what's important? What's real? Is maintenance easy? Is it hard? Is it a struggle? I'm just wondering, uh, given the greater set of skills that are required for these maintenance, do you find that salaries are, are, are being pushed up or, or do these uh, maintenance personnel get treated as like a unskilled car mechanic or so that's a great question. What's your name? Greg? Thanks, Greg. So the question is, did, are we finding that the skill level has to be higher? And the answer is absolutely yes. Guys who turn around four are not able to keep up with the machines now. So we're having to hire technicians, whether men, women, uh, who have a skill set in software, electrical degrees, something like that. So the cost for hiring and maintaining these technicians is going up. Thank you. Um, I see that you have uh, your maintenance broken down, mechanical, software, electrical. Um, I've been seeing in the field a lot more pull for multidisciplinary support people um, for dealing with these more complex systems. Um, what have you seen in trends in terms of that? Thank you. So the trend for that, we actually are attempting to find people that have all those disciplines in one. It's hard to put, uh, like in a, in a larger maintenance organization, you can have many people with specializations. In a smaller organization or a smaller shop and you got one technician, two technicians, it's hard to only have one guy specific on one skill set. So we're looking for technicians that have all in some level or another. Other questions? So the question what I have is, uh, I'm from maintenance department, I'm an electrical engineer. So in maintenance, in, I believe it's same applies to any manufacturing industry. So how to deal with inventory management issues? Like if a person like used a part, and now he used a part, but he was busy because he needed to go to home. So after he uses a part, he does not fill up maintenance part used form. Or else, if a person who needs a part, he somehow doesn't fill it out. So after a few days, we get to know, because it has not been detected in the system, we get to know that the part is no more there. So now, if the machine goes down, then there is no part to fix it. 
so how to deal with these people like how to deal with inventory management issues about parts reused parts request and the parts which are been mainly used in the night times because in the morning in the morning shifts the people are however we get to know but in the night nobody is watching them so at that time how to deal with those Does anybody else struggle with uh, <clears throat> parts going missing in the middle of the night? Nobody recording parts usage? Those are very complex questions. Um, <clears throat> we've seen anything, uh, everything from locking down parts, uh, very sequestered, a grumpy guy behind a counter, you can't have any parts unless you come through me, like that kind of style. Um, we have tried to make it, at least on our teams, as easy as possible to actually record the parts usage. So we actually have an app, and the guys can use it right on their tablet. So as they're maintaining the systems, it's literally as easy as just clicking a few numbers. We're getting into scanning the barcodes on the parts. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for this very reason. Um, we also, I don't know how effective this is, but we're, we do random audits or regular audits as well of their supply. It's costly, but when you demand that kind of level of accuracy in their parts, you gotta do something. Other questions? Struggles you guys see? I don't know if there's uh, anyone from MHI here, but what is the industry doing to bring up more talent uh, from a technical to training? How do we find them on, you know, we're from Idaho, so we don't have the talent really. We have mechanical engineers, but no one really that is first in all aspects of what we need. So I want to know if the industry itself is doing something to get the talent out there in training. Would anybody like to answer that? From an industry's perspective, what are you guys doing? We're, um, so I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, and between our community colleges and our local government, we are working with the federal government to put together programs to go into the high schools and to reach those kids who maybe aren't looking for college. I mean, there are a lot of kids out there, we're telling these high school kids all the time, gotta go to college, gotta go to college. Gotta go get yourself $160,000 in debt and go to college. And so we put together some programs, one of them's called the Dream Team, and we take young men and women who are out, who've gone to technical school, who have skills as welders and electricians. We're putting them out and on this dream teams, going into high schools, talking to kids, saying, hey, there might be an opportunity for you. You don't have to go and get, you know, a house worth of debt to go to college. There's also then, we work with our local universities, uh, local community colleges, to put together training centers where, and this is where we struggle, to be honest, where we try to get some of the latest and greatest technology into these shops so the kids the, our technicians, or I shouldn't say kids, any technician can get in there and get their hands on, you know, PLCs, can get their hands on, you know, the latest and greatest things that we're using for automation and get trained on them. But I will tell you, as, as an operations person, the hardest thing I have is to take my maintenance guys and send them over there for training. 
So it's really great when I get a new kid who's gone through that, through, coming through college or through high school and that. But again, there are some local efforts. I don't, again, you said Idaho. Um, there's some local efforts that are happening, and I think there are little pockets of it happening around the country. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely opportunities to, to kind of go out and groom them. And the great place to start is your local community college. Um, because they, they're, they're not as um, adverse to taking some of these things on and, and helping you put together those programs. So I hope that helps you out. It's good, thank you. To uh, play off your point there, I'm with Valencia College in Central Florida, and I'm an engineering professor, and we actually work with the National Science Foundation and just launched a new program. We're offering an Associate of Science degree, two-year degree um, in engineering technology, and there's two tracks to it. One is supply chain automation, and it addresses the, the three aspects that you just said, so they'll get a taste of hardware, software, and um, how those things work. And then the other track is manufacturing production technicians, which has a similar core to automated supply chain, but it plays a little bit more towards uh, putting pieces together as opposed to figuring out and troubleshooting and repair. So it is, uh, we recognize the, the market's just booming. The job opportunities are huge. So there's a lot of opportunity for students in this area. That's great. Thanks for putting that on. That's, that's excellent. So one of the things that we, have seen happen to us is when we do find good technicians in certain locations, these guys, men and women, actually want to stay with us. And we've seen them pick up everything and move to new opportunities uh, within OPEX. So that's, that's been pretty unbelievable. So that kind of goes back to who you are as a company. Are you able to attract the talent? Do they want to stay? Is the workplace environment such that they actually want to come and work there? So this is some of the key things. Uh, making some partnerships with some schools is a great way. I really like that. Any other challenges facing you guys you want to talk about real quick? All right, a brief 30-second commercial about OPEX, and then we'll be done, all right? Uh, we're a family-owned company out of Morristown, New Jersey. About 40 years we've been there. We engineer, manufacture, assemble, ship, install, and service everything that we sell. Um, we are just about 100% solar power. Uh, for those of you that care about that, um, when, uh, when you buy from us and the truck shows up with OPEX down the side of it, and it's OPEX, not contractors, not something else. OPEX employees actually assembling that machine. And then the men and women show up to service it. They're all wearing shirts like this. So all the 800 numbers that you call for our company, you're actually calling Morristown, New Jersey. And we're staffed there 24 hours, seven days a week. 20, uh, tech support, dispatch, all located right there in Morristown, New Jersey. So. Our booth, if you want to go visit us, walk out the doors, go left, and just keep walking until you see the big OPEX booth. Um, one of the big five, big, big ten vendors here, so you can't miss us. Pretty big booth. All right. <laughs>